We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Tyrese Halliburton and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. The Pacers lose 114 to 110 to the Portland Trailblazers. Fachi on their home court lose to one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. What are your thoughts on this? I'm very disappointed. I, I really am. I, I tweeted it out. I, I said, "Can we hold them below 115 tonight?" That's like, your wish. That would be something. Got my wish. Problem was 114 points, got it done for Portland. The Pacers' offense was non-existent, nowhere to be found. And this was a Portland team that was absolutely struggling. They had no aspirations for winning anything this year. And the Pacers dropped one at home that you absolutely just had to have. This one was disappointing. Yeah, it was another second quarter let down by the Pacers, getting outscored by nine points. I highlighted this on my last article, how many times we've just been killed in the second quarter. And the numbers are skewed a little bit because we only allowed the Cavs to score 12 points in the second game in the second quarter, but it's actually been our best offensive quarter, but it's still not good at 30 points. I'm I'm sure it's going to eventually water finding its level because when you give 35 points to Portland in the second quarter, only score 26, put yourself in a little bit of a hole there, right? It's just you can't go down into the half by five against a team that you're supposed to be beating. You just never got any momentum in this game. It was like Tyrese Halliburton and nobody else could show up to to play with him. So I know Rick was 
was digging for some offense, throwing in TJ McConnell there in the second half and trying to just find something that would get this thing working. But it's like every time the Pacers would start to get close or pull away a little bit, the, the Blazers would just come right back and just take the lead. So it's like I don't really know what else to say. Obviously, the defense did look better tonight somewhat, but this Pacers team, we've talked about it. They live by the three. They die by the three. They play to the level of their competition. I think both things were very applicable for tonight's game. No, it really was. And just to put things in perspective, Tyrese Halbert had 12 of his 33 points in the first quarter. So yeah. Tyrese has 12. The Pacers' second leading scorer is three different guys with 11. In this game, there was no second option and that had been the question who is the number two tonight it, there was no number two it was Tyrese and then there was just everybody else and I, I think that the frustrating part is when I really looked into this Obi Toppin had seven points in the first quarter it was, it was awesome to see but then I looked at it in the second half buddy Obi and Miles Turner combined for seven points total in the second half and I, I just feel like you're not going to beat anybody if you're having three of your starters, you know, combined for seven points in the yeah. second half, it's just such a tall task. But talked about it, playing down to the competition. It's what the Pacers have done each and every time. For whatever reason, they are not getting up for the games against Portland, Chicago, Charlotte. It's just Toronto. It's just not happening. The teams that you expect to beat. They overlook them each and every time. This Portland team, you talk about momentum. They never really run the game. Portland had two buzzer beaters at the end of the second and the third. Just whenever the Pacers were getting close enough, it, they they couldn't close out on that final possession. In the end, a game that that, that you end up losing uh, by, by four points. Yeah, those buzzer beaters, those closeouts at the end of those quarters, they proved to be big. Yeah, I man, that's a great point. Those are big momentum swings there for the Pacers or for the uh, for the Blazers. You know, just taking away the Pacers' opportunity to get back in the game, and it's it's one of those things where you just look at this game and you're looking on paper and you're thinking, okay, we should get this win. Portland's in a rebuild, and what even stinks worse is Anthony Simons wasn't playing in this game. That makes it way worse. And you're thinking, way okay, worse. Robert Williams, we knew he was out with an injury, so that wasn't surprising he wasn't there. But Anthony Simons, he's been out with an injury too for a while. Scoot Anderson's coming off the bench. It was the trio of DeAndre Ayton. Malcolm Brogdon and Jeremy Grant. How many times have we heard those three names attached to the Pacers? I mean, oh my God, you get a you get a two point deficit. You're trying to make a stop here, and Malcolm Brogdon at the end of the game goes one on one isolation against Bruce Brown and gets a little floater. I saw Caitlin Cooper tweeted out, "Oh, now you can hit clutch shots." It's mm -hmm. like it's like this just even like made this game even worse. Seeing Brogdon hit the go ahead basket. But even when the Pacers had cut it to three after Neesmith hit a three to cut the, cut the lead to three in that fourth quarter, I thought Miles kind of rushed that three that he took. I didn't like it. He kind of did a step yeah. back, pulled a three with about 14 seconds left on the shot clock, and I know that time was kind of winding down a little bit. But can we not get a better shot than that? No, I agree. There there was an opportunity that I thought that Tyrese should have shot a three. He kind of passed it up, and I was like, oh, you could live with Tyrese taking any three-pointer that he wants to take. But, man, <laughs> Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant has, I feel like, a history of cooking the Pacers. We also have a history of wanting Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant had 34 points in this game, but he had 21 in the fourth quarter. He looked like the max player that, you know, that they pretty much signed the contract for. Everybody thought that was an overpay. Tonight looked like a max player. No matter who the Pacers threw at him, it was not enough. At one point, 
you know, Matherin kind of ventured out of, of the defensive scheme. Rick absolutely lost it, blasted Matherin. I don't remember seeing Matherin after that uh, when Rick called the timeout. It just – there was no answer for Jeremy Grant, and I, I just felt like the Pacers, it, they were hopeless against any any real, you know, forward, 6'8 or bigger, that can score. Jeremy Grant destroyed the Pacers in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think he only had 17 in the fourth, but the numbers you're giving me were for the entire second half, 22 in the second okay, half. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Either way, 17. I knew he went 7 of 8 from, he killed from the field in the fourth quarter, and that's been the story for this Pacers team. I, I wrote that on the latest article. How many how many forwards have killed the Pacers that have any size to them? And it's pretty much every team that we face, yep. their four is shooting 50% or more and just dominating us. And, you know, people were mad at us because, that you know, we, we can be critical of Matherin sometimes. And I saw in some of our YouTube comments, people were saying that we hate Matherin. Okay. Oh First of all, let's just pump the brakes. We don't hate Matherin. Huh. We actually hold him to a higher standard because we think yeah. there's greatness to his game. So when we get frustrated with his inconsistency on defense, like I even said it when I was talking a lot in that mailbag podcast, I said, look, I, I might be in the moment right now, but it just feels like he doesn't feel like the perfect fit with what they're trying to do offensively. And I would continue to start buddy healed over him right now, just because I think it's a better fit, but you're right. I mean, Carlisle just ripping him to shreds is rightfully deserved because Carlisle was not happy at practice on Sunday. And if you go back and watch the YouTube videos of that, he was going off about how he's going to start pulling guys. If they're not going to play the, the, the defensive assignment that he gives them and they don't play the scheme. He said, we have the exact same scheme as the Orlando magic. But they actually execute it. We do not. And I'm going to have to start pulling guys if they're not going to be able to do it. And he said, I'm, I'm going to might throw a Ben Shepard in there and give him some opportunity because I know he'll do what I ask him to do. And that's a problem when you have to have your rookie be the example for how to do things the right way. Yes. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, obviously there was some weird energy there from Carlisle. just seemed very ticked off. He said, whatever Mathurin did, that was last year. It's a new year. He said, I don't care what his averages were or what anything was like that. We're wanting him to develop into a two-way player. He wants to be coached hard. So, yeah, if you want to call me a uh, uh, Rick Carlisle, Homer, uh, Ben Matherin, Hater, whatever, Ben Matherin, like I said, when he locks in defensively, he is going to get playing time. We saw that in the Milwaukee game, and we saw that in the Detroit game. When he's not playing defense and getting lost in the scheme, he deserves to get his butt shoot out because if he really wants to be a great two-way player, he needs to be held accountable. And that's the same for everybody else on the roster, not just Ben Mather, but everybody else on the roster. If you want to be held accountable or if you want to be great, and you're going to have to be held accountable for your mistakes. So I just feel like this Pacers team, they're proving night and night again that while they are a super fun watch and while they're really excited to – they're an exciting team to cheer for, they're also – not ready to take that leap that they say they're ready to take. Because if you're ready to take that leap from separating yourself from maybe even a play-in team to a playoff team, you can't lose on your home court to teams like the Portland Trailblazers who were coming into this game, what, 4-12? and 12? Yep. Saying we are Matherin haters is crazy. I own a Matherin jersey. I want him to develop into an all-star. But at the same point, we're not just going to look the other way all the time. Root for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. If someone messed up, we're going to call it out. For Matherin, yeah, the defense has been rough. He came on setting the pace and said he wants to be one of the great, one of the best two-way players in this league. We have not seen any greatness defensively. And offensively, we're not seeing what we saw last year. So, yeah, I think it, we would be lying to you guys saying that Matherin is, 
you know, doing everything that we hoped for and more because we do have high expectations for him. The whole fan base does. But I think on a night like tonight when you mentioned that Rex is going to start pulling people, when you have the worst defense, the worst statistical defense in the NBA, yeah, changes need to be made. And I think that tonight you saw a Portland team. It's like DeAndre Ayton had 12 points in the first quarter. He averages just under 13 for the game. Malcolm Brogdon had 13 points in the second quarter. It's like they they did like, like almost like hot potato of it. It was this guy's turn each quarter to dominate the Pacers. The first quarter it was Aiden. Second quarter it was Brogdon. The fourth quarter it was Jeremy Grant. It's like the third quarter was the only quarter I, I didn't mention because we held them to 18 points. That mm-hmm. was good. But I, I just feel like on a night like tonight, it's like it can't always be on Tyrese Halliburton's shoulders offensively. No one else stepped up, but a couple other things that we have to point out. Pacers came into this game fourth best in terms of fewest turnovers per game at 13. They had 20. 20 turnovers. You already touched on it. They live and die by the three, eight of 33. They didn't really execute anything well offensively, and it showed on on the the one night they really chose to kind of lock in on defense. So it's a shame that we couldn't get a blend of both. Yeah, I was just, I mean, when the, when the Blazers have more made threes than the Pacers and they take about half as many, that's going to be problematic for the offense. And it's like, that's one of the problems with this Pacers team is they live and die with the three-point line when they're yep. really knocking it in. I mean, you feel it. You're like, man, this team can be just, they can just dominate offensively. But, you know, Buddy Hill tonight obviously didn't play great. One of six from three. Bruce Brown, one of five. Turner, over three. Obi Toppin, one of four. Um, just those were your those were your big number shooters that didn't get the ball in the basket. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton was fifty percent. He was three or six from three, and it's and it felt like Tyrese could have even taken over more than he did. I think so. I mean, a little bit passive sometimes down there in the final two minutes of the game. I felt like he should have just been pulling shots, even if it was a little bit tougher defense. But you're right. This is why we got the question on the last podcast asking us: Do the Pacers have that number two option? And we talked about it. It's been a combination of different people. It's been someone different every single night. And when your second highest score scores 11 points, that's that's going to be problematic. And it kind of feels a little similar right now to those Paul George teams when Oof, Monte yep. Ellis, Jeff Teague, and Thad CJ Allen, Miles and those guys. It, it's well. like, you know, there was never a true number two guy. There was just a lot of guys that could put the ball in the basket. A lot of like... Not not depth on that team. I wouldn't say there is depth on no. that team like there is on this team, but just just some solid players that could contribute, but you just never knew. Like CJ Miles might get hot one night. He's kind of like a buddy heel where he can get hot, and then you just don't know what he's going to give you the next night. So I just think overall we kind of have seen that this Pacers team is – they can compete with the best, but they can also lose to one of the worst teams in the league. You know, They let the Wizards hang around for a little bit in that first game of the season. The Wizards are the worst team in the league right now, or one of the worst teams in the league. They let Detroit hang around until that fourth quarter. This Pacers team has some work to do. And I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this because I know it's not going to happen, but I feel like this this is not not really like what I think they should do, but I'm just curious. At what point do you think maybe they go back to Nimhart in the starting lineup and put Bruce on the bench? I mean, I think we, we've talked about it coming into this year. Bruce Brown's starting spot did not feel like a guarantee throughout the year. I felt like at some point they could switch it up. But with Nemhart, it's like there's something different. And I think it's just his role 
it's changed so much that if you do put him in the starting lineup, which I think is something that you got to try because last year, at times, it looked good. I mean, he looked good. We can't say the Pacers were winning games because they didn't, they weren't a play-in team. But I think it's an experiment that I'd be willing to to try because you're still going to get good defense, but you're also going to get a better playmaker. And I just think that Bruce Brown, he's been good, but I, I think that you need to shake things up a little bit. And I think that, I don't know, I, I, I'm all for it. I am. I am because right now the Pacers do feel that they're not to say in a rut, but they, they need the Nemhard that we saw last year. That guy has not been here this year. Yeah, I'm I'm not even 100% sold on whether they need to do that or not, but maybe find to, a way to yeah. play him a little bit more with Ty or, or just figure out a way to get him more minutes because I feel like defensively he's been more solid than Bruce Brown at certain points when he's been healthy. Um, it's not a lot because he's not been healthy very often and yeah. he's been kind of up and down this year. I would say Nimhart has been, and Bruce has drawn the toughest assignment. I mean, tonight, obviously, like Brogdon just kind of bullying him down low. It's like it just makes you kind of feel like, okay, that hurt. Um, does that happen to Nimhart? Probably so, too. I mean, Brogdon's a good player. You got to give him some credit, tip your hat to him. I mean, he's not a slouch, even though we don't love him here, but he was nearly an all star when he was here at the Pacers. So, he yeah. made some big time buckets. I just felt like, okay, at that point, why don't you send a double team or something to force a ball out of his hands? I think there's a way they can get better defensively. I'm just not sure the lineup change they need to make. Maybe they go back to Neesmith for Obi Toppin at the four. I mean, I know they've liked some of the activity Obi Toppin has brought, but you know, Neesmith played the final 12 minutes of the fourth quarter where, you know, Obi Toppin, I don't even think he got into the game. So no, no. So, o- Obi really faded away in this game after after a hot start, and, and I, I know it cut you off a little bit, but I, I do think um, you know you could go back to Neesmith over Obi. And Obi was on a hot streak lately. The last couple of games he had been real good, but tonight was not his best performance. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of hard to sit here and like you hate when Tyrese has a game like this to kind of overlook it. Wasted, yeah. It's just like, you know, he, he didn't get to double-digit assist numbers either, which stinks. One away, but I'm sure if we just hit one more three, he's there. It's oh, yeah. just This is one of those games where it's like he just couldn't hit shots. And it felt it feels like a typical Nate McMillan. We just we just couldn't make shots tonight. Mm-hmm. Shots just weren't going yeah. in. But sometimes it's just part of the NBA. I don't want to be too you know critical of this team, but I think that maybe the expectations for what they could be and where they're actually going to finish is somewhere in between. Um, I think that fans were a little bit too high maybe on this team, especially were. after the first couple of games, maybe us too. But I still think that if they're going to do the same pattern of win-lose, 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 they're going to be above 500. So I guess that's good. Yeah. I mean, when we did our predictions, I had them, I want to say 44, 45 wins. It was really not. I think this, you were like, closer to 42. I, I They were above 500. So maybe they were. 42 and 40. I think I was, was 43 it? and 39. Yeah, so maybe it was something like that. 42 or 43 wins sounds about right. Either way, I know that they I didn't have them over 45 wins. Right. And some people were saying like 50 or 48. It was like, no, this is a team that I think could be slightly above 500. I do think that is a solid step forward because if the Patriots end up winning 42 games, that's a seven-win improvement from last year. That You don't really make all these consistent you know, 10-win jumps in the NBA. That's really hard to do. I saw someone tweeted out, you know, the Pacers are the number one league pass team. The number two team is the team playing the Indiana Pacers. And I just felt like it was like on a night like tonight where Portland just all season it stunk. It's just like, 
Brogdon, man. Brogdon. I tweeted it out before. I knew this was a revenge game. I, I, I said he was out there for revenge. I hate the fact that he hit that game-sealing shot. He played a, a good game tonight um, you know, for Portland, but I just feel like this is a game where when Jeremy Grant's out there, you know, and, he, and he's just killing the Pacers. Obviously, I'm getting the tweets. You know, throw Jarris Walker out there. Like it's it's a lot to throw Jarris Walker out there in like a very pivotal stretch where the game's on the line. But I mean, Alex, was there anyone that you really feel like could have had an answer for Jeremy Grant? Because you already know the limitations of this Pacers team defensively and the, and the length that Jeremy Grant has. He's a problem, and every forward that has size is a problem with this team. So. What are we supposed to do? I mean, that was Jeremy Grant's second most points scored in a game this season with 34. I believe it. Brogdon and Aiton tied their career high or their uh, season high season for nice. points in a game. So uh, same for Scoot Henderson, even though he got 13 off the bench, wasn't that much. But still, I'm listening to Mark Boyle on the way home. I was out in a, at an event doing something tonight, and I wasn't able to fully watch the game. And I'm hearing all these stats just being rattled off, and I'm like, that just can't happen. It just can't happen. And you're right. I mean, Everyone's going to be calling for Jairus Walker until he gets that opportunity to prove himself and fail. And maybe at this point, Rick's got to look at, at the rotation and say, okay, you know what? We've seen this same story happen over and over and over again. Maybe we just crack into something else and, and see if Jairus Walker can give us some minutes and you maybe you ride him really with a, a short leash, maybe give him like a three-minute stretch and see what he can do. And if he gets cooked for like three straight possessions or, or breaks out of the of the system of what they're trying to run, then that's when you make that decision, okay, we're going to go back to Neesmith. We're going to go back to top, and maybe we'll even throw Isaiah Jackson out there next to Miles and just throw somebody bigger at him, somebody different. Um, even though that doesn't seem like the perfect solution, I think you got to try something. And this is why... We talked about it on the mailbag podcast, like going after someone like OG or Pascal is going to be huge for this team. I, I honestly, like if you throw Pascal Siakam on this team and you have to get rid of one or two of your role players that are currently in the rotation to get that deal done, it, it makes your team significantly better. You talked about it. Tyrese needs that number two. It does. Pascal and, Siakam and, can be that number two, and on nights he can be the number one for Ty. Oh, yes. No, of course he could. I mean, I, I feel that right now, who has the real chance of getting 30 outside of Tyrese on this Pacers team? There's a couple guys that could, but would you feel good about predicting it? I would not. I no. feel like Siakam could go out there. He could get you 30. You know, he doesn't need to average 30, but it's like – you look at a guy like Turner, yeah, he'll have a couple games in the year where he might have 30. Matherin might might have a couple. But we're, we're looking for someone that can do it more than, you know, three to five times out of 82 games. So I just feel like Siakam is that guy that, yeah, he would be such an ideal fit. It, I guess on a night like tonight, it's just like no matter who Tyrese was passing the ball to, there, there, there was no one that I, I felt confident in that they were going to score. And then when Tyrese was out, I just felt like this Pacers team just seemed super flat. And Buddy yeah. Hill was someone that had been on fire lately. Just didn't have it tonight. Three of ten from the field. Buddy was someone that we had started to, to count on to say, hey, look, you know what? Like, he's been a great scorer since he moved into the starting lineup. Hey, he's not going to just be elite every single night. But a night like tonight, I mean, they really needed 
him. If he had a couple good looks at threes in this game that just simply didn't go in. And it's like you said, just tonight, they just were not hitting shots. And uh, it, it was deflating for the team. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, you can kind of go back to the fourth quarter too. I mean, excuse me, the third quarter too, when Miles Turner picked up his fourth foul. And see when things kind of started to dip a little bit. Uh, we didn't talk about it. Jalen Smith came into the game in that oh, oof, third yeah. quarter and had a really nasty looking injury. It was ruled a heel contusion. Yeah. But it looked like his knee just kind of buckled backwards. It looked like a hyperextension of the knee. Like I've said before, I am no doctor. It is Fauci. Make no mistake, it's not Fauci. But when they said left heel. Now, now, when they said left heel contusion, I was like, Please tell me this has nothing to do with like an Achilles or anything like that because it's just it, to me it just feels like the worst injury in sports. Jalen Smith, someone who when he when we exited this game, he had nine points in twelve minutes. I mentioned yeah. the Pacers' leading score was eleven. It was three guys at eleven. Jalen was giving the Pacers good minutes. I, I I fear and I hope that this is not something serious. Because all of a sudden, the talk all offseason was the Pacers have too many centers. They have four. Well, Daniel Tice is no longer there. Jalen's been banged up. Now we don't know what's going to happen. Now it's actually real thin at center with just Miles Turner and Isaiah Jackson right now if Jalen is to miss time. Yeah, this is where you might see some small ball 5-2 with Obi Toppin or Aaron Neesmith at the 5, which... That just sounds miserable when you think about Aaron Eastman playing the five, Neesmith but that's what he did against Philly. Five. I know. Ugh. But maybe, maybe Jarris gets back, you know, third string center minutes at this point. This is the opportunity. It is. It's got maybe, be. maybe. I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not counting on it just the way he's not gotten in the rotation at all. But yeah, you just you know, Miles is a positive in this uh game for plus minus, and him only being able to play 25 minutes kind of speaks to what happened to just like stupid fouls, getting yourself in foul trouble and you know, I'm sure some of those, one of those, I think, was called back when they challenged it in the fourth quarter. They did. The yep. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those games, Fachi, where I messaged somebody. I said, okay, what were your thoughts on tonight's game? And there, there's someone that's probably not watched the Pacers as in depth as we have, but they were watching this game and they said, well, just one of those games where play down to the level of your competition and one of the ones you got to move on from. That's like, that's happened already like two or three many times already this month. I know. And it's it, like. I- I'm not I'm not ready to buy into that narrative anymore. I'm not going to just say, oh, just one of those games. You got to move on. It's like we've had too many of those over the last couple of weeks. And the reason I brought up the whole lineup change thing was because at what point does Rick go back to last year's starting five that really connected with Nismith at the four, Buddy, Nimhar, Ty, and Miles, and just see what that lineup can bring. I understand Bruce is getting paid a lot of money. But at this point, I think that maybe just changing up a little bit, changing up your rotations, or at least making it where that rotation uh, allows for that five to play together a little bit more could be huge because last year, that's when they went on that big run. And they were right at 23 and 19 or 23 and 18 at the halfway point before Tyrese got hurt in, in New York. So that group had some momentum. Why not try to ride that out again and see if there's something there? I understand you want to play. Nimhard maybe more at the point guard position, but at one point tonight he had Nimhard, Ty, and McConnell out there all together. So, you know, and Mather was playing the four. It's like, well, when are we going to stop with the four guard lineups and get use our size to our advantage? We we have yet to do that. No, we haven't. And I I would like to use 
we, we need to use our size because I just feel like too many times the Pacers are giving up size out there. So I would be, uh, I think at some point we might see that lineup. I know, you know, we have made some changes recently and then kind of gone back to a little bit of the changes. Obi off the bench, back to the starting lineup, anything like that. Matherin to the bench, Buddy in the starting lineup. We got to figure it out. We, yeah. we do have to figure it out. But I just hate how after a loss like this, you know, immediately, immediately fan base is like, that's it. I'm done. All right. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's over for us. Or we stink or that. It's such a long season. This isn't the NFL where you could lose one game and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know what? That might really, you know, take us down to the division or anything. No, like this, it's going to be a long season. And basketball is a game of runs. Whether it's in the game, whether it's winning a, a few games in a row, yeah, this this loss it does it does suck. It's awful. It, it, this is one that you had to have, and and so far in the year, the Pacers have had far too many highs and lows this early on that they just didn't show up tonight. They didn't, and you know what? The schedule doesn't get easier. This was the easy game. This the, the this the game against Toronto and Detroit that was supposed to be a three game winning streak. At worst, you win two out of three. Now you're yeah. talking about Miami. Back-to-back games. This is going to be a team that they're they're not overlooking anybody, and, and I don't feel great about that. No, I I mean unless it's an in-season tournament game, the Pacers have not exactly. gone up for it the last couple of weeks. Exactly. I think their only three wins actually have been in-season tournament games, right? Uh, very well might because obviously you got the Magic loss in there, uh, yeah. in between there. Uh, Lost that is Philly. correct. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The last three wins are in season tournament games. And you know what? The other win before that? Against the Bucks. the Bucks. Games that really matter on the schedule where you get amped up for. It can't be like that. Not yeah. all 82 games are going to be, oh my God, look, let's look, we've got this chip on our shoulder. Let's let's prove the the world, you know, we're a team that should get more attention on national television. They're not all going to be like that. You got to get up like that for every single game, no matter what, no matter if it's the Magic, the Raptors, Charlotte. You can't overlook anybody because at the end of the year, yeah, it does matter mm-hmm. if, if you drop the game early on. So I just think there's got to be a little bit more of a sense of urgency. And against the Heat, you got to split. You got to split. You got to show us something here. Well, they have been splitting every game. It feels like win loss, win loss, win loss, or loss, win loss, win loss, whenever you want to look at it. So their next one should be a win against the, the, the Heat, and they'll probably be a little bit ticked off. They lost this game here. But, you know, Rick Carlisle talked about it in practice on, on Sunday afternoon. He said, "This we got to be the hunters. We got to go out there and be the hunters. Can't, can't be getting hunted. <laughs> you got to be the hunters. Can't be the deer out there in deer season, just walking around, you know, waiting to get shot. You got to go out there and be the hunter and shoot the deer. And that's what they did against the Bucks. You know, I mean, no pun intended, but that that's how they need to approach every game. Oh, like, pun though. I know, but that's what they got to do. They got to approach every game like they did against Milwaukee, like they did against Philly in their rematch. I mean, the game against Detroit, Atlanta, those two games were not that impressive to me. They won the no. game, yeah. but I was not that impressed. I walked away from Atlanta being like, okay, we barely won that one by five points, give up 152 points. We're going to talk about it and be hyped on the podcast, but I'm not really that hyped about it. I'm just like, okay. Then Detroit, I mean, the fourth quarter was exciting. It was maybe something to look forward to, and maybe there was a little bit of carryover defensively in this game. I thought the defense was okay, but the shot percentages from – from the guys that just killed us. Jeremy Grant, 66.7%. DeAndre Ayton, 69.2%. Brogdon shot 45%, but 83% from the free throw line. 
just I just felt like this was a game that the Pacers needed to win, should have won, and they're going to be looking back on it and saying, how do we let this one go? And now that's like, what, four games where they've had these losses? They're 6-5 and five on their home court with losses to Portland, Charlotte by one, Toronto by one, um, Chicago by what was it? Five points. They got obliterated by Orlando. Yeah. So I don't like really care about that one. Orlando's yeah. playing good, but the other four losses, those all could have been wins. It could have been problem. It sh- should have been. And, and I, I just feel like right now, yeah, it's just we, we take a step forward, we take two steps back. Right now, nine and seven on paper. Yeah, it, it is good for for what we hoped for, but we just know that things could have been a lot different. It could have been a lot more. So I think, you know, I'm tired of saying, yeah, hey, well, we got to just move on to, to Miami. But it's like if this if this what works for this team is getting punched in the mouth, going home, licking your wounds and coming out the next day, you know, the next game aggressive against the Heat, that does feel like a game that they sh- should get up for. You want to talk about the, the reigning Eastern Conference champions? That's Miami. And you know what? Yeah. The Pacers come out, you know, pretty, pretty rough in that first game. Well, they better be ready to make the adjustments for that second game, similar to what we saw against Philly and how they responded. But either way, uh, right now, uh, I'm with you. You know, giving up 150 plus points to to Atlanta didn't feel good. Felt a little bit better because we got the win. But now it's just like we have really yet to play. Not yet, but very few times have we played a four quarter basketball game the way that we hope to. It feels like. Two good quarters, a couple bad ones here and there, and it's just like on a night like tonight, yeah, the the the, the bad quarter was that thirty five point quarter in the second quarter to to uh, uh, the Trailblazers tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's just like thirty five points that that did you in, and the end is just like you can't have that happen. But uh, this is one that I, I'm excited to play the Heat because I want to get this bad taste out of my mouth. Yeah, let's just hope we can carry it over because I'm looking right now at the Pacers' schedule, or excuse me, their standings. Six and five at home, Fachi. They played 11 of their 16 games at home. It's a and lot. there's just one game above 500. Five games on the road, which that means there's a lot of road games coming. And if you look at the total number of uh, games played at home, the Pacers are the number one team with the most home games. The only one that's close to it. them is Philadelphia. They've played 10. They're seven and three at home. Pacers are six and five. I don't think anybody else. Oh, the Bulls are four and six, but the Bulls are so bad right now. They're really yeah, that's the Bulls. struggling. But you know what? Chicago, they're a team that they're like the Pacers were about three years ago when they traded Sabonis and Karis LeVert. Oh, they're yeah. in that weird situation where like they're talented enough they can beat you on any given night, but they've been they're so uh discombobulated that they're really hard to trust. So losing to them by five points, it still stings a lot to me. I know they did some good things there to kind of take the Pacers out of it, but Overall, this Pacers team, they're back now, seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, sitting at a 9-7 and seven record, half a game above the Cavaliers at the eighth spot, and they are tied with the six, or the, excuse me, the Knicks, who are at six. So, you know, they got a lot to prove still, uphill battle, not the end of the world, but at this point, I, I think that we should be expecting more from them, and they should be living up to a higher standard than they've been living up to. They, they have to hold themselves to that higher standard, and – I guess we could try and give them credit. Maybe, maybe they really did get up for the defensive stand-up and say, "Hey, you know what? We're we're gonna we're gonna really tighten up the clamps on defense tonight." But whatever it is, they forgot to play some offense. So, and then this this is one Pacers really let slip by. 
Hope it doesn't bite us in the end when, you know, it could be the difference between being a play-in team or being a playoff team or maybe being a play-in team and potentially sitting on the outside. I hope that's not the case. Either way, they did not play a complete game of basketball tonight, and uh, we, we, we got to live with it. All we can do is try and get up for that Heat game. Totally agree, Fonchi. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. And Feel free to comment in there or let us know what you think about the, the comments that we're making, what we're saying, whether you agree or disagree. Obviously, we've had some back and forth there on people not agreeing or disagreeing with what we've had to say over the last couple of episodes. So it would be, you know, we're always up for interaction. We're never afraid always. to admit when we are wrong and we're never afraid to stand up for what we believe in. There's a fine balance here of trying to be excited about a team win, but also uh, not too hard on a team when they lose. We know there's a lot of fans out there that are listening to this podcast. So we try to find a good balance for everybody. We're not going to please everybody, but I will just say this. We're going to be true to who we are. We're not going to change who we are. We've been doing this for five years. So um, if you have something that you don't like that we're saying, let us know. We'll, we'll talk about it. Doesn't mean we're going to change your mind or anything like that, but that's what the great thing is about having an opinion. So um, there's my little TED talk on that. But Fachi, if you're, you know, I guess just ready for the Pacers to move off of this win or off this loss, excuse me, and get back to winning basketball, then please... Hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.